Welcome back to the Fluid Fan Podcast, brought to you by Sports Innovation Lab. As always, I'm your host, Angela Ruggiero, four-time Olympian in ice hockey and the CEO and co-founder of Sports Innovation Lab. I'm psyched for this episode. This is a personal friend and my co-founders, actually, <laughs> coming on today, uh, hitting close to home. I thought it was really important. The name of this podcast is called The Fluid Fan Podcast. What we've done up to this point is really talk about what is a fluid fan. It was a it was groundbreaking research that we released last year. The entire industry downloaded it. I think you know people are using it the language that we've established, which I'm very proud of. What we did this year is take that one step further. So our research took a step back and said, you know, every other industry looks at consumer behavior. That doesn't exist in sports. Can we take the fluid fan, break them apart, and really understand the behaviors of these fans that ultimately drive revenue. That's at the core of this podcast today. We, as a company, again, we're a market research company that creates breakthrough fan experiences through technology. That's what we do. We help our clients around the world, if they're leaning in to the fan, create those breakthrough fan experiences and it's all enabled by tech. That's why you have to know tech at the end of the day, not for tech's sake, but to do something. And you can't do something with a fan if you don't actually understand the fan. This is groundbreaking for the sports industry, but I want to take a step back and say, we as a company just said, how do we help this industry move forward and to look like other industries that understand their consumer, understand behavioral analytics, understand that they need to actually know what those consumers are doing, what are their behaviors in order to create better experiences. So that's what this episode is focused on. If you haven't already downloaded our latest piece of research, I would highly, highly encourage you to do that first. SportsILab.com, the Fluid Fan is here report. We're going to break down the Fluid Fan behavior on this podcast, but that report will give you a much more in-depth look at what we're talking about You'll also learn about the Power Play Index, which is the accompanying decision framework tool that we've created that Josh will talk about here today. But again, this podcast is all about, we already know the Fluid Fan. Hopefully you've read that report. You've listened to these podcasts. You're dialed in. Hey, fans look differently. You know, they're open to change, empowered to choose, and constantly evolving. That's, that's, that's understood. And the Fluid Fan is here. Is, well, what are they doing? What are those behaviors? That is what we're focusing on on this podcast. So like I said, my co-founder, someone that is near and dear to me, one of my great friends, someone that's brilliant, leads up our research team, has been able to take his experience as a uh, former executive at Forrester Research. He has built multiple technology research companies from the ground up and now obviously leads our research team as the president and co-founder of Sports Innovation Lab. He's been critical in developing all the research that we talk about today specifically the fan behavior. So he's the perfect guest to have on because a lot of our listeners reach out to me and said, I love listening to your podcast. You have fantastic guests and we touch on the fluid fan throughout parts. That's the goal of our podcast after all. But give me an in-depth look at that. So I have that core understanding. So as we continue in this podcast series, you'll have that base understanding of what we're talking about. So that's the goal of today's podcast. So get ready for an in-depth look at how fan behaviors are changing 
uh, with my co-founder and president of Sports Innovation Lab, Josh Walker. Super excited for this edition of the Fluid Fan Podcast because I get to interview my co-founder, Josh Walker. He should be uh, well known to everyone in the industry, hopefully at this point. He's been leading our AMA series, uh, Ask Me Anything, where you actually get to see him as well as hear from him. And Josh, of course, oversees our entire research team at Sports Innovation Lab. So I've asked him to come on today to really dive into the research at Sports Innovation Lab. This podcast, of course, is called The Fluid Fan Podcast. Earlier in the series, we actually explained what a fluid fan was. We'll touch on that a little bit today, but I really want to dive deeper into the second iteration of fluid fandom and how we've dissected the industry to really understand the behaviors that ultimately drive revenue and engagement. So Josh Walker, I've already introduced you. You're super smart. You're a great guy. I love, love, love working with you. Thank you for joining me on the show. Yeah, this is my second appearance, so you must really like talking to me. You're the first to get two podcasts, so yes, you, uh, you're very lucky here. I'd be like Steve Martin, try to accumulate my SNL appearances or something. <laughs> well, you're in the lead so far. So we're going to start with, can you give us a summary of the Fluid Fan? Just for those that haven't had the chance to hear or read any of our research, which of course you can get on www.sportsilab.com. Tell us what a fluid fan is and where did that research come from? Well, it came from the fact that you had the vision to start this company because a lot of your peers in the sports industry were looking around trying to figure out how they could grow the sports industry. And there was a lot of the same old thinking that was occurring in the boardrooms and around those tables where people were thinking, we just need to do more of the same. And you were frustrated by that. I was frustrated by that by working in the sports industry on the technology side. And we were trying to help the industry see the path to growth. And so in a summary, the fluid fan is really the path to growth for the sports industry. It's not the diehard fan. It's not that traditional fan that maybe adopted their fandom from generations of being in a family that was a Islanders fan or, you know, a Premier League fan of some team in a region. It was really a fan that was starting to choose more actively what they wanted to watch and what they wanted to participate in. So the Fluid Fan is empowered to choose. They have all this content at their fingertips. They really are continuously evolving. They continue to learn new technologies, use new technologies, and they're open to change, which means that they're not going to just do the same thing over and over again. So to understand the Fluid Fan is to really put your organization on a path to growth. So again, open to change, empowered to choose, and constantly evolving. Those are the three pillars we do talk about here on this pod. Those fans are very different. The thing that I take away when I try to explain this to others is we are going from a world where these fans, typical fan is a lean back passive to a lean forward engaged. It's about doing, it's about actually changing the way that fans interact and think about the content of sports. Tell us how this thinking from just the definition that does the industry agree that we need to change, we need to look differently. How has the research shifted now to the 2.0 uh, version of fluid fandom? Well, I think you just touched on it. I think the idea that fans are active um, that they want to do something, they don't want to just lean back, is all a byproduct of the technology that these consumers are using outside of sports. And we make a very big point when we talk about fluid fans, 
identifying the technologies that they would use outside of sports. So voice technology, gaming consoles, digital media, all of those things make a fan more active, more ready to do something while they're watching linear broadcasts of, you know, traditional sports. And so the fluid fan is a description of really stop talking about engagement, stop talking about fan engagement broadly, and start thinking about those specific behaviors that you want your fans to do because it actually helps your business. That's yeah. a big shift though, because I, again, part of the reason we started this company was we wanted to push it forward. We wanted it to innovate. We wanted it to have easy to use tools and frameworks to make those big decisions. If you're going to make an investment in a technology, if you're going to change your strategy, you want that data. So a lot of this was geared towards that term fan engagement, which as you just mentioned, I want to hit home means nothing and means everything. So you would push back a lot. I would say fan engagement even internally. You're like, eh, what does that mean? And it culminated in this in this second version of Fluid Fandom. Break apart why fan engagement is such a opaque and wrong term for the industry and why, again, we need to move and shift our, our thinking. Well, it really came through the client work that we were doing, right? We had the fortunate uh, opportunity to work with some of the largest global properties in the world some of the best brands in the world. Um, and they came to us and said, look, we really care about fan engagement. And we would do our strategy sessions. We do some consulting work around the research that we publish. And we would try to unpack in those conversations what they actually meant when they said fan engagement. We said, okay, close your eyes. What do you picture your fans doing? Well, they're engaged. Well, what does that mean? Are they cheering? Are they standing? Are they buying something? Are they wearing something? What do you mean when you say engagement? And the challenge for our customers to literally verbalize what it was that they meant when they said fan engagement or that our fans are engaged was really the crux of the research to move forward for this year, which was we really needed to help the industry take that term apart, stop using that term honestly, and start doing things the way that retail does it, healthcare does it, other forms of entertainment do it, they do things where they design for specific behaviors. There's a whole world of consumer behavioral research, which is like, how do we make a consumer do the thing we want them to do? So we introduced the idea of stop saying fan engagement and start saying fan behavior. And when you start thinking about the fan behavior, then we can really get prescriptive about which companies to work with and how to really optimize your business around that opportunity. What I love about that, Josh, again, is that this research is steeped in what other industries are doing well and you know we're not trying to reinvent the wheel we're we're really trying to think about again how other industries are able to drive revenue and get away from what i've heard and what the industry still uses largely is the fan segmentation hey 15 to 24 year old male drinks beer those segments no longer work can you touch on why those segments may still be relevant and why they're less relevant in this research. Yeah, they're hugely relevant. And that's a very important point you just made because the entire industry has been focused on CRM and integrating all their databases over the past decade because they didn't really know who their fans were. So even the idea that they had demographic data on their fans is really a luxury that most of these organizations did not have. So they had ticketing data, but they didn't know who their fans were. So when you talk to sports organizations, when you talk to brands and sponsors that activate in sports, they do talk the way you just described the fan, right? They talk about the age demographic, the type of, you know, real geographic demographic concepts that have been embedded in 
email addresses, addresses, financial and age data, but they really didn't know what those fans were doing. So the example I always use is if I go to the stadium or if I'm watching by myself, I'm going to behave very differently than if I go with my college buddies or I go with my family or I watch with my family. And so you really need to understand the behavior of the fan instead of the demographic of the fan to unpack what it is that really drives your business. So when you're with your buddies, you might be drinking more, betting more. When you're with your family, you're discovering more and sharing more. <laughs> and probably buying more. You know, the kid's Buy, asking for a jersey. <laughs> He's asking for a snow cone. He's asking for a lot of things. Yeah. There you go. So I love that. To play off that then, you, you mentioned going. Your behaviors are different. You mentioned watching. Your behaviors are different. And the last parallel that we talk about at Sports Innovation Lab is play. So the go watch play is the overarching framework. Again, anyone can get this report on our website if you want to really follow along with this podcast. But tell us about those core behaviors. And then there's a terminology adjacent behavior. Tie the core to the adjacencies. Yeah, I think what Go Watch Play allows the industry to do is really take the concept of where they make most of their revenue today and tie it to this concept of behaviors. So if you look at the PwC report, which is where most of the industry turns for sizing numbers, they really break down the industry in four key areas of revenue, right? There's media rights, there's gates, re gate revenues, there's merchandising, and there's sponsorship. Those four ways of making money are how the industry operates. So we took behaviors that align to those core revenue streams and we said, okay, most of this is about going to a venue, a live entertainment experience. Most of it's about watching a live broadcast or live event. And the other part of it, of course, is playing. It's the sponsorship, it's the equipment, it's the really youth sports market, it's betting, it's the engagement piece. So go watch play is really a way for the industry to wrap their heads around how they know they already operate, how they know they already make money and put the behavior mindset into practice. Fluid fans are fluid by definition. They're, they're constantly going in and out of these different pillars. Again, think of your own life. Think about, you know, how many times you actually go to an event versus watch or share or do some other behavior that interacts with the sports platform. Tell us then what this adjacent, how are we thinking and tied to revenue, I guess is what I'm trying to say, because again, we, we love to come up with theory. This is, this is research at the end of the day, but it's tied to the business case within these organizations. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, again, I'd push back a little bit on the idea that it's theory because I think we see it in practice quite a bit. So the idea that you go to a venue and now you watch on your phone at the same time is the idea that there's new revenue opportunities there. So the picture in the report you keep referring to is actually a Venn diagram. And it's not that there are three separate behaviors of go watch play. The real revenue opportunity to create new products and services is where these behaviors overlap. It's the idea that you go and watch at the same time. It's the idea that you play and watch at the same time. It's all of these new opportunities that we talk about with technology buzzwords, but we're really not sure how we make money from them. So what the Sports Innovation Lab is dedicated to doing is really trying to figure out when those two behaviors really overlap. What sort of behaviors can we get the consumer to do that allow you to unlock new revenue opportunities. And that's what our behavior series is all about. So you've broken down, again, uh, the research team 
that U of C has, has said, okay, if you sports industry understand that, that fluid fandom exists, your fans are very different than the diehard, which will come to your games consistently, buy the season ticket. You can rely on them year after year. They're, they're less fickle into fluid fandom where look, they are more discerning consumer. They need more. They want to be engaged and you have to do more to service them. You said, okay, what are those behaviors? Now we're moving into the action. How do you help? How does the behavioral series actually help our clients, help the industry? What's the action uh, post understanding, again, wrapping your head around this concept? So the first thing we do with all of our clients is we really take the strategy session approach to exploring which fan behaviors drive the most revenue for that business. And as I, as I mentioned, that's hard. Give me an, right? give me an example. Here's a, per, here's a perfect example. So Delaware North or um, Legends or Aramark, these companies that work and operate venues, they have traditionally made money when fans buy a ticket, buy concessions, or buy merchandise. But one of the favorite things most sports commentators like to do during the broadcast is a little game they call who's looking at their phone. They take the fan cam, they scan around, and they find that probably 80 to 90% of the fans in the venue are looking at their phone. If that venue is not offering media or offering mobile services that those fans can access and pay for on their phones, they've lost that fan's revenue opportunity. So are they on Netflix? One of the craziest stats I saw from Cisco was that most of the fans that were at the Super Bowl were on Netflix. Why the hell would you go to the Super Bowl and watch Netflix? And why the hell wouldn't somebody at the Super Bowl offer them something other to do than watch Netflix? Why wouldn't there be some sort of promoted content from the NFL, from one of the sponsors, from Tostito, from anybody who's, you know, Pepsi that's involved in that game, Dr. Pepper? Why not? And that's really where we're talking about these behaviors. The behavior is that fans watch and play at the same time. And it's not a second screen experience. It's not disconnected. So let's talk about what you need to deliver to optimize revenue in that situation. Yeah, great example. What I love about this and what we do as a company is we're all about empowering our clients to create breakthrough fan experiences. And we've attempted to unlock the specific path to that revenue generation through this behavioral series and through our concept of, of fluid fan. Is there a best practice out there you've seen? Is there a, is there a, a case study, if you will, um, either in the sports industry or outside that could again further demonstrate what this actually is? Well, I think what, what's probably most helpful is to talk about the behavior analysis we've already done. So we started by looking at how we can help different sports organizations connect fans at the venue. And part of the behavior series is to demystify what that means. So you'll talk to executives in the sports industry and they'll say, we need to make sure that when our fans um, come to our venue or when they're watching at home, they're connected at all times. And okay, well, that means very different things if they're at home or they're at the venue, you need different technology to do that. So we started by saying to the venue operators, when fans arrive at your mixed use environment, right, where they could go to Top Golf or they could go to the bar or they could go to any of these locations around your venue, how do you make sure they're connected? And how do you make sure you're providing that connectivity so that you can take advantage of these mobile commerce opportunities? So 
back in March, right before COVID launched, we had an enormous amount of research that showed that we could point our clients to the specific technology companies that helped them keep fans connected. And then of course, COVID hit. And now it wasn't just about keeping fans connected. It was about helping our clients think about connection, health and safety as well. So we pointed them to the service providers that could help keep those fans connected. But then we were able to point to the other technology and service providers that could help keep those fans safe and secure at the venue. And that's a very logical way of taking something that looked like it was a simple thing like Wi-Fi or DAS or some sort of 5G infrastructure and really expanding it into a behavior that you could imagine the customer shows up, they have their phone with them, they're moving from one bar to one restaurant to another. And by the way, they need to make sure they're not around people that are gonna get them sick. They need to be notified if they need to evacuate a certain area. There's all kinds of new opportunities now around just keeping fans connected. Very simple example, but much bigger than most of our clients had anticipated. And now they have the technology vendors and services they can look to to help them out. So connect is one example. Um, what, what are a couple in the pipeline that we can share with, uh, with the industry? Sure. So the very next one that we're going to be doing is compare. And the idea around comparison is really interesting because most of the industry already recognizes that athletes are building their brands through social media. But during this period of time, during COVID, where they can't go to the stadium, they can't get an autograph, they can't do the things they're normally doing when it comes to building that relationship with the athlete, athletes now have a new opportunity, right? Which is how do they take this fan that's at home that can't go to the game and use social media, use training platforms like Huddle and Home Court and Max Preps, places that they used to go to figure out how they're training and what they're like and how they compare themselves to Angela Ruggiero. And now that becomes a really interesting new way, a new form of media, a new form of experience where fans can compare themselves to their favorite athletes. They can buy from their favorite athletes and very few technology platforms out there are optimized to help an athlete do this. Social media like Instagram and Facebook will let you post photos of yourself. They'll let you talk about your game, but nobody's really made it drop dead simple for an athlete to run their business as a marketing platform. Yeah, no, it's, it's the future. Don't get me started. Athletes as brands. This is absolutely the future. People should be aware of how to do this well, to empower those athletes to ultimately build not just the athlete's brand, but the, the, the industry at large. Um, so you have connect, you have compare, we've got learn, share, bet. I mean, there's lots of these, right, Josh? And, and the idea that you're your fan isn't doing one thing. You're not just learning or betting or sharing. You're moving seamlessly between behaviors. And it's about the ease of that, but also enabling fans to do more. Yeah, it's certainly not a turnkey, flip the switch sort of analysis and then you know go to market strategy. This requires a lot of thinking about what optimizes revenue for your business and identifying those fan behaviors and then focusing on the problem that you have or the opportunity that's in front of you. Like no-shows cripples this industry, right? When people buy a ticket but don't show up at the venue, they lose concessions, they lose parking, they lose all kinds of revenue around that opportunity. So how do you get fans to show up? 
And show up means you need to have ride share integration, parketing integration, digital ticketing integration, access control integration. So a lot of our clients that are at the forefront of this, clear, armored things, Cisco, menu ties, they're all working on making sure that no shows is a thing of the past and that there's a real opportunity to really navigate that fan through that behavior so that we can optimize revenue. So what I'm hearing you say, again, there's dozens of these behaviors, but that each company should very thoroughly understand their core behavior. What are the adjacent behaviors that tie to that? Create partnerships, because you can't do this alone in the world that we live in, a digital first world, this is all interconnected. And it's not going to be a turnkey solution. It's really going to take the buy-in, the culture of an organization to understand this investment, this direction forward to really engage those fluid fans. Yeah, and we use a lot of research tools um, and frameworks to help our clients figure out who those partners are. Uh, one of those is the Power Play Index, which we just launched. That's a great name. Where did it come from? Uh, you probably named it. I'm, I'm going to give you credit. <laughs> come on, for Power that. Play. Uh, yeah, I, it clearly wasn't a baseball okay. term. All right, go ahead. Um, <laughs> so the whole idea here is very simply that um, we can give you a short list of companies that help with this behavior. But again, the, the strategic thing to do, the smart thing to do is to look at that short list and think about how that really influences your own business. And so we made the Power Play Index very customizable. So we publish a short list of companies that helps our clients get their head wrapped around who's actually doing things in this space. And then what we're able to do is work directly with our clients to say, okay, these three companies don't make sense for you because they do this or they conflict with something else you're doing here. These are the three you really should be working with. And we give them that short list and it saves them a ton of time and they're right after it and it really accelerates their innovation. Yeah, no, I love that we've finally come to market with this, Josh. Um, this was one of the original visions of the company. It was actually our first logo. Because when I came to you and said, look, I'm, I'm sitting on all these boards. There's billions of dollars being spent, millions of dollars. Decisions are being made. And a lot of times, I simply as a non-technology person on the board saying, just help me validate the decisions we're making internally. Is there a third party that exists that could again, give me a decision framework like the power play index. So at least I know the few dollars, you're not, you don't necessarily have to invest more, but you have to invest smartly. So focus it on again, what drives revenue and help me know that I'm actually talking to the right companies. Cause as you and I both know, there's a lot of companies do marketing extremely well and, and may appear to be bigger and better than they actually are. And, and our job is to really decipher those that are leading the way and, and simplify that for, for the industry. That's right. And I, I think another thing that we do incredibly well is try to cut through all the tech jargon that business executives have no patience for or tolerance for. They don't want to learn a technology industry. They shouldn't have to. They should be able to think in terms of fan behavior and go, yes, that's what I want my fans doing. And I want them doing that more and I want them doing that faster and I want them doing that mobile, you know, like they can start to have that conversation. You don't need to be a technologist to understand what you want your fans to do. And so once you can have that conversation, we can tell you which companies help you do that. So simply you say, Hey, I want my fans to bet more. Mm -hmm. What's this? What is the power play index actually then measuring? Yeah. The power play index would tell you two things. If you were focused on the behavior of betting. One is we would focus on which of the technology companies out there enable betting. 
And that sounds simple enough, but it's not. You need to have integrity services, validation services, payment integration services. You need to probably have a mobile app. You need to have geofencing because there's all kinds of regional regulations around this stuff. So there's a lot of technology that you need to be sure that this company's squared away. So on the x-axis of the power play index, we try to figure out which of the companies in the market have the tightest association with the technologies that truly matter to that behavior. Then on the y-axis, what we're measuring is, okay, well, which of these companies are really deep in sports? They might be a good casino company or, or a bookie or some sort of like gaming site with lottery type games and have nothing to do with sports. Or they may have partnerships with the NBA. They may be focused on uh, Bundesliga. They might be able to show you very quickly that there's a lot of alignment between this company and the sports industry. And what you get when you put those things together, Angela, is really a very simple picture of who has the technology that matters and the sports relationships that matter. And on a two by two, or, you know, it's just up in the right-hand corner, and that's how you get your shortlist. And, and as I mentioned earlier, if it's not the right shortlist for your company because you already have a relationship with DraftKings, or you're already working with FanDuel, or you're a regional casino, um, you know, property, we can customize that power play index for you. Well, good work on that, Josh. Excellent job leading the team and, and, and the industry, to be honest. Um, that's always been a vision of, of yours and mine. Uh, simplify this changing dynamic market. Let's not do things the old way anymore. Let's not be okay with the status quo. Um, just like we, again, expect our athletes to get better each and every year, to push the boundaries, um, to better understand themselves, we're flipping that and really encouraging and enabling the sports industry to do the very same thing, get better each and every year, find new ways to innovate, find new ways to service your fans, your customers at the end of the day, and ultimately drive revenue to grow again, the pie for everyone. With that comment, I'm curious how things have changed. We can't stop talking about COVID and its impact on the sports industry. Some would argue hey, I'm laying people off, there's furloughs, uh, but massive budget cuts. That is absolutely the reality of the sports industry. What is your recommended advice um, in terms of, of the research we're doing and the opportunity to change what you're doing during the time of COVID? Again, I, I started my career at Forrester Research in, in this industry where the you know September 11th happened very shortly after I, I was um, hired and working uh, at the company. It was a time when people needed this type of research more than ever, because what really it did was it allowed them to focus on other things while having a, a really strong resource, an objective resource to turn to to make some of the decisions or help them with some of the decisions that they need to make. So when teams are losing their strategists, when teams are losing their product people, when teams are trimming back on their vendor relationships, what this allows them to do is really focus on those relationships that matter the most. And it saves them a ton of time of spinning their cycles, sitting in boardrooms, talking about what they should be doing. Um, and it really just puts, you know, the strategy piece of their business on, on sort of steroids and moving faster. So a lot of change is happening obviously right now. Before we go, I'd love if you have any examples for our audience of what people are doing differently during the time of COVID, and then what, how, what you expect related to the fluid fan when we come out of COVID. What are, the, what are the fundamental or structural changes you're seeing 
again, focused on the technology side and the convergence of media. What are the examples that you might highlight for, for those that, that want to understand this, this, this massive shift that's occurring right now and will have a lasting effect in the future? Yeah, I, I, think, I think it's all around media. And what we're seeing most uh, directly impacted by COVID is the idea that media in sports wasn't prepared for this type of remote viewing and the agency or the action of doing something that fans really want, right? So we were so beholden to large media rights, multi-year media rights deals, that there was no incentive to change what wasn't broke. And that exposure that COVID really shined on the industry um, is where we're at right now. We need different types of technologies and different fan behaviors will result from these technologies that are going to move the industry forward. And a very simple example is co-viewing. It's one of our behaviors that we're going to do later in the year. The idea that we can watch a Netflix show together as friends, but we can't watch a live sports game together as friends is a little bit backwards because there's nothing more social, interactive, trash talking than watching live sports with others. So why isn't it easy for the industry to pop open a digital stream and be chatting, betting, trash talking, playing with each other in a way that makes that a, such a social and you know, exciting opportunity in a remote environment? Yeah, it's a great point. You have, so you have two boys. You know what Fortnite is because I know they play Fortnite. You, we use that example a lot for those that are trying to wrap their head around this. And in esports, there's a massive, you know, shift to digital first right now. Like how, you know, I see every sports industry or sports executive trying to understand how they could lean into esports. But like the takeaway isn't necessarily esports it might be just the behaviors that the, that esports is eliciting so you talked about the convergence of media and the and the digital aspects of it do you think that's a future for us do you think we're, nim we're nimble enough of, of an industry based on the conversations you've had and the, the research you've done can we do it it's a it's a massive task um i'm hopeful i'm as you know very optimistic but i'm curious uh what is it going to take to actually get there well, I was just going to say, I work with an Olympian, so I'm pretty optimistic <laughs> as well. Um, but I, I, in, in all honesty, I, I think that, you know, this week you're seeing a tremendous amount of, of conversation just around Turner and, um, you know, Major League Baseball doing another very long-term media rights deal that would be very lucrative for Major League Baseball. I think as long as those things continue to happen, if it ain't broke, you know, don't fix it mentality is going to per, be pervasive. And we're going to wind up in a situation where we have a blockbuster type disruption in a few years, because there's not this level of product focus and experience focus and behavior focus that the industry needs. So while I'm optimistic, the amount of innovation that's happening outside of sports with gaming engines that you mentioned with consumer behavior, my son can sit and watch his video games and clip a highlight of him making a sick move, share it with his friend list, which is right on the same screen, message with his friends, invite his friends. I can't do any of that in the sports world. And um, that's really where we hope that some of these emerging young companies, these startups are gonna be able to play but it's a hard space to play in because they don't have the media rights. They don't have access to that direct live content. So something has to change in that equation. Well, I'm wishful like you. Crisis breeds opportunity. There's an opportunity here, I think, for us to rethink how we do business, to rethink how we drive revenue, to imagine what's possible. Um, I'm, I'm certainly in this space like you 
because I want sports to be successful. I want our kids to have the opportunity to, to see their role models and for us to engage with them in a way that doesn't exist currently with the exception of, of a few examples. So keep up the great work, Josh. I will, uh, it's, it's pleasure working with you every single day and, and your whole team and our whole team. Any closing thoughts on the fluid fan, the fluid fan behavioral series, or again, how uh, any advice to those that are, are listening right now, if, they, if they're bought in and they're leaning in hard to change the way they think, get away from demographics, get away from the status quo. Yeah, I would say reach out and do a behavioral audit with us. We've designed a very simple tool that helps you think through what behaviors are most important to your industry um, and really most important to your business. And so when we do that behavior audit with you, you'll walk away understanding exactly what we're talking about, exactly how it impacts your revenue, and we'll be able to have a very important uh, conversation about which companies you should be working with and prioritize that list for you. So it's a very logical first step and it's a really important first step. So you stop saying on stage at, at trade shows or on panels, fan engagement, because it doesn't mean anything. And we really need to move forward. All right. That will be the highlight of this podcast. Fan engagement does not mean anything, but it means everything. So let's better understand it. Thank you for being on the show, Josh, and for lending us your insights on the research that you do each and every day at Sports Innovation Lab. So if I get invited back, is it a hat trick? It's definitely a hat trick. I mean, you have a pretty good game. I, I was going to say you have to step it up, cause, but you're already, you're already playing. You got a, you know, high, you get, you got a few goals already. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe you just got to publish something else. Like, just get on that. And I'll, I'll put you on for a third time. <laughs> All right. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Josh. So thank you very much to my co-founder, Josh Walker. Uh, you were awesome. You're, you're always awesome. But thanks for joining me on this Fluid Fan podcast. We'll look forward to your hat trick appearance, as you mentioned. I'm only giving him credit for two. A cameo doesn't count. You know, we as, a, as co-founders and leaders of, of Sports Innovation Lab truly believe that this is the most critical time for the sports industry. We need to take a step back, especially in the time of COVID, and rethink the behaviors of fans. If, you know, we have little capital to spend, we have, we have to be hyper-focused right now. And so really understanding the psychology and the behaviors of our fans, that's the core of our company. We want to help you do that. Reach out to us. We're, again, we're all about creating breakthrough fan experiences through technology. Um, so hopefully we can help you better understand it through this podcast. And if you want to work together, again, reach out at info at sportsilab.com. But before we go, just want to thank again my producer, Jack Barlow, and the rest of my team at Sports Innovation Lab. Uh, what you guys do every day is absolutely challenging the industry to think differently, to move forward. Love the work that we're doing with our clients and helping them, again, behind the scenes, create these breakthrough fan experiences. If you love this podcast and you want to hear more, you can subscribe to the Fluid Fan Podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. Uh, just search Fluid Fan Podcast. Please leave us a rating or a review. Tell me I'm great. I love seeing your feedback. And, and make sure you, you hit on our site. There's a lot of interesting information. Again, we want to help the entire industry evolve as we're, again, all weathering the COVID storm, if you will, trying to evolve as an industry. We have an AMA Ask Me Anything series once a week. We have a COVID-19 dashboard with a lot of interesting 
data that we pull from our software that we make available for free. And of course, follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn at sportsilab.com where you can follow everything. Finally, just want to give a shout out to our Slack community. We have uh, thousands of members now. So if you are thinking you need a community, it's there for you. Just check it out. So thank you very much for tuning into this special edition of the Fluid Fan Podcast. I'm Angela Ruggiero and have a great day.